Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 51, Staying Motivated Webinar. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. So a few months ago, I had the opportunity to host a webinar for a group of awesome military wives who are currently stationed at Hill Air Force Base, which is here in Utah. And the emphasis of their group is job support for military wives. And so that took on a particular emphasis in my webinar. But I think anybody can really enjoy and learn from this content of how to create motivation to try to accomplish anything that you're working on starting or stopping or creating. And I loved teaching these awesome women these concepts and I hope that you enjoy them too. So my name is Jesse Ellertson. I'm so happy that you guys are here for this. I am a military spouse. My husband is in the Utah National Guard. Um, I live down in Eagle Mountain, for those of you that are familiar with this area. And my husband is, he's a Blackhawk pilot out of West Jordan. And we've been in the military. Well, I'm going to get into that a little bit in my in my PowerPoint that I have that I'm going to start here in just a minute. But uh, I just want to tell you that I'm a life coach. And I'm so excited to talk to you guys today about staying motivated, really in all areas of life, wherever it is that you're struggling. But in particular with this group, one thing that we're talking about is staying motivated as you do your job search and are struggling with sort of the normal ups and downs of military life and how that affects your career and your job hunt and sort of starting over every few years if you're active duty and moving around like that. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen with you guys and get right into our class today. What I want you to be thinking about while I'm doing my class is that I would love to hear from you guys. And if you don't want to like come on the screen for the webinar, that's totally fine. I understand that even though that's the most fun. So let's do that. But you can also put it in the Q&A. So if you have a particular struggle you want me to address or talk about, or just again, a particular question, go ahead and put it in the Q&A But if you have any desire to actually come on the video, go ahead and raise your hand, just the little virtual hand with that button there at the bottom of your screen. And then when I get to the end of what I've prepared that I want to share with you guys, I'm going to answer a few questions from the Q&A box. And then we'll look at the list of raised hands and bring one or two of you on depending on how much time we have. I'm going to try to stick to about an hour. I'm hoping some of you are catching this on your lunch break at work or if you're home with little kids, maybe they're sleeping or you know whatever your circumstances are. And I'm going to try to go through my material pretty quickly so that we can have time for that live Q&A or or again bringing you on the call. So that will all be really fun. You can just let me know if you have any questions. So I'll just go ahead and share my screen with you guys. Perfect. Okay. So like I said, today we're talking about staying motivated as a military spouse and all that that involves, but particularly in your career and in your job search. So I've sort of gone through and identified three things that I think are some of the most common reasons why our motivation will dwindle and then some solutions for keeping that from dwindling. So today in this webinar, I'm going to introduce the topic, which I've already been doing. I'm going to introduce myself, which I've done a little bit, but I'll give you some more information about me. We're going to talk about three common problems that I've identified and then discuss those solutions. Then I'm going to give you a little information about who I am as a life coach and particularly about my podcast. That's my favorite place to send people who you know enjoyed the information that I shared and want to hear more. And then we'll open it up for that live Q&A. I hope you guys love this picture. That's me and my husband when he returned from his last deployment in 2019. Okay, so by the end of this webinar, you will know how to increase your overall motivation by learning how to generate it, which is so powerful. You will also go away with some, or you'll walk away with some simple, actionable ideas, which can be really encouraging. And I want to help you guys understand why what feels mostly out of your control is actually mostly in your control, which is super empowering. Okay, so here's a little bit more about me. Again, my name is Jesse Ellertson. I live in Eagle Mountain, Utah. I have six kids. I have all boys except five girls. That's a little joke we do because we only have one boy. And he, anyway, that joke is for his benefit. Uh, We have five girls and one boy and he's right in the middle, which is so fun. And you'll see in our family picture here in just a minute. I've been a military wife since 2007. My husband, Brad, is a captain in the army and he flies Blackhawks and we are in the National Guard. So we're not active duty. We stay in Utah all the time. So that's a little bit different than the experience you guys are having, but it's I think it's so great to see just the spectrum of military experience that we all that we all have. 
have. Uh, we have done two full year deployments in our career and tons of different trainings and TDYs. My husband's actually away on a training right now for a few months. I am a certified life coach and a certified weight loss coach through the Life Coach School. If you guys have ever heard of Brooke Castillo, she runs that school and she's phenomenal. And she has an amazing podcast called the Life Coach School. So if you're just down with this kind of stuff that I'm talking about, that's a great resource for you as well. I have been life coaching since 2018 and my specialty is military wives dealing with deployments. My passion is to help military wives who have a desire to just improve the experience that they're having during deployments rather than feeling like they have to suffer through the whole thing like I used to feel myself. So I just want to say if you're ready to thrive, then you're in the right place. Here's a picture of my family and this is a couple of years ago in 2018, right before my husband left for his most recent deployment. So my kids are all a little older now than they are here in this picture, but you can see my beautiful five daughters and my one cute awesome son right there in the middle. <laughs> Love this fun little circus of mine. Okay, so I want to talk about, it used to be so hard to stay motivated as a military spouse. This is the experience that I have. I used to struggle to stay motivated in the face of the challenges that come up in regular life, but particularly as a military spouse. And I couldn't figure out why sometimes motivation came so easily and other times it was nowhere to be found. Now that I know how to generate motivation, everything is different. So I want you guys to imagine facing the challenges that come up for you and the different hurdles that come up for you regularly in your military life. And imagine knowing exactly how to stay motivated through the ups and the downs because you know how to create it for yourself. You know how to generate that emotion. So empowering. So are you guys ready? Are you ready to understand what it means to create motivation? And are you ready to take all of this into your control? Let's go ahead and get started. So the three problems that I identified that really stuck out to me as the, the main sources of why we tend to lose our motivation are these three. Number one, that motivation can seem like elusive and mysterious, like the source of motivation. And like sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And because we don't even know, you know where it came from, we don't know how to get it back. And that can just be really challenging. Uh, the second problem I identified was that we know exactly what we need to do. You guys, we are really smart. We know what we need to do to create what we're trying to create, but we're having trouble sustaining those consistent productive actions. And the third thing is that there seem to be so many things, so many parts of military life that are out of our control. And feeling out of control has a big impact on your level of motivation. So the first problem, like I mentioned, is that it seems motivation, feeling motivated can seem elusive and mysterious. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. So have you ever asked yourself, like, why is it that sometimes I feel totally motivated and sometimes I just don't, right? That's that's kind of the a really common question that I used to ask myself a lot. And I, I also noticed in my life, and I wonder if you guys noticed it, that we feel easily motivated about new things, new projects, new jobs, new goals, new plans, new house, new place to live, you know, anything like that we think like we're kind of on top of it and we're feeling all motivated. I have found that new things are exciting. And when you're excited, that makes it seem really easy to feel motivated. And we can see how productive we are and how awesome we are. And we're motivated. So it feels like motivation is like central to being awesome, right? But over time, motivation tends to run out. I wonder if that has happened for you guys. I know that you're here because this is something ringing true for you. Motivation tends to run out and we panic because we don't know how it's, we got it. We don't know how to get it back. And we feel like being motivated is the secret for being awesome, the secret for getting so much stuff done. So if it's gone, then the awesome is gone. And so that all feels really awful. So we're going to talk about the solution to that problem. I have great news for you guys. Motivation 100% exists and starts and lives and is created in your mind. And the only reason that we ever feel motivated or unmotivated that's also just an equally powerful feeling, feeling motivated or unmotivated is because of the way we are thinking. So we're going to get into that right now so you can see what I mean by that. So I'm going to start out by talking about why is this good news? So the reason it's good news is because rather than motivation being something that we just watch for and notice when we happen to have it and when we don't, as if it's coming from some outside source, I want to show you guys how motivation is completely generated from within. And that comes from our thoughts. The way that it's generated in our mind is based on what we spend time thinking about. And I'm going to give you an example here. So the reason we're easily motivated by new things, like I mentioned before, is because we're excited about them. And we're easily thinking very positive, motivating thoughts about these things, which creates the feeling of motivation. But the opposite is true as well. When we are not excited about something, the motivation doesn't just magically disappear. Our thoughts change, right? Our thoughts 
changed to like, oh, this is, you know, drudgery. I wish I didn't have to do this. This is hard. This is difficult. I'd rather be doing something else. Our thoughts will change and then our motivation dwindles. And when we're not paying attention to what we're thinking, we just notice that, oh, I'm not feeling motivated anymore. We just kind of look at that end result of that motivation not being there anymore. And we think what happened? You know, we don't really have the, the answers there. I want to give you guys an example of, of how this concept plays out of the thoughts being what creates our motivation. So I am going to give you a hot breakfast example about like maybe four months ago, I decided I wanted to start making my kids hot breakfast in the morning. We're just a big cold cereal family. I love to cook for my family and we love to eat hot breakfast food, but we often will eat it at dinner, but it was just cold and winter. And I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be so fun if in the morning I brewed some, you know, hot chocolate for my kids and, you know, either had oatmeal or pancakes or, you know, breakfast burritos or something. And again, I love to cook. So this is something that was interesting to me. As I give you this example, you're going to be tempted to be like, well, I don't make my kids hot breakfast, but like I never have in my life until just the last few months. And if it's, if cooking's not exciting for you, then I would not recommend setting this goal, but cooking is exciting for me. So I was like, okay, let's do this. I'm going to make my kids hot breakfast in the morning. And they were loving it and I was loving it. And it was this new idea and it was so fun. And then I noticed that something came up. I think I either got sick or something happened that we missed it for a few days. This, this is just a common tale, right? Something comes up, you miss it for a few days and then all of a sudden you're not very excited about it anymore. It's not really happening. Even though you want to do it, you're not doing it. And I just want to invite you to check out what you're thinking that was different. So at the time when I started making the hot breakfast, I was thinking, oh, my kids are so excited about this. I'm really enjoying this. What a great way for me to spend my time. I love making breakfast for my kids. This is really making a difference in their day. These are all the things I'm spending time thinking about, and I'm fully motivated to continue making breakfast. But as that natural excitement just wears off a little bit because it's not a new idea anymore, and, and then I also even got like a lull in it because I got sick or whatever and I didn't do it for a few days. Then when I tried to get back to it, that natural excitement was gone, but the motivation could still be there, but it was also gone because I was thinking thoughts like kind of takes a lot of time and it makes the kitchen messy in the morning and the kids like cold cereal anyway. And I want to do it. I feel like I should do it. I started doing it and I want to keep doing it because I often quit things, you know, and I just was thinking all these really unmotivating thoughts. So there's no surprise there that my motivation completely dwindled. So the, by understanding this and gaining that awareness, you're able to see that if I watch my thoughts. I don't need that natural excitement to create those exciting thoughts, which will lead to motivation for me. I can just create motivation by intentionally thinking thoughts that create motivation for me. Like for example, in this example, when I was trying to get back to it and my brain was kind of talking me out of it and thinking those unmotivating thoughts, I just have this little practice of answering my brain. So it says like, it kind of makes a big mess. And then I answer my brain with, yeah, but I know how to do dishes and my kids even help me with the dishes, you know, and then it'll offer me another little argument, like kind it takes a lot of time. And then I can answer it with just like, well, I have that time in the morning. Like I'm not really doing anything else. I'm just kind of hanging out with my kids while they get ready to school, ready for school. So when I'm answering these little disagreements in my brain or these little kind of arguments my brain is offering me, that first is able to kind of calm my brain down. Then I'm able to really come at it with some intentional motivational thoughts. Like it feels so good to make hot breakfast for my kids. And I really enjoy doing this. And back to kind of some of those original thoughts of this makes a difference in their day. Like whether it does or not, I don't actually totally know, but thinking that thought, this makes a big difference in their day and believing it really motivates me to keep doing it. So that's my example for what that looks like when you can clean up your thinking and create that motive, that feeling of motivation for yourself with your thoughts. So let's touch on really quickly how this can apply to the job search of a military spouse because I want to bring each problem, solution, and example back to that. So you might have found that when you start your job search, you know, you get to your PCS, you get to a new place and you're feeling motivated and strong and capable and competent and whatever it is that you're feeling as you begin the job search, right? You're at the beginning of it. And you're able to especially feel all those really productive feelings when you're getting interviews and you're, you know, you're, you can kind of see that really visible, tangible progress. And I want to note that even if you're getting no's on these interviews, you're still, I have found, I'm still able to stay pretty motivated, whether it's a yes or a no, because again, it's at the beginning and everything's feeling okay. But over time, even if you're still getting interviews and still making progress, the nose start to deflate you. They make you think all kinds of things about yourself and your abilities and your motivation quickly dwindles. So at the beginning, when you were thinking like, yep, this is how I get a new job and I know I'll find one and this, you know, I'm well qualified. And you're thinking all these really positive, motivating thoughts, your thoughts shift over time because that nat maybe that natural excitement dies down again or something. And since you don't know what was creating the motivation at first, you let them shift, right? And you let them shift to this new place of like, 
no one's hiring me. Maybe I'm not qualified. Maybe I wasn't meant to work there. Maybe, you know, and you're kind of making it mean all these things and your thoughts shift. But now that we're creating this awareness of my thoughts create everything, you're going to watch your brain want to shift that direction. And you're going to say, no, I know that I'm, I'll be better able to get a job if I stay motivated. And so the way I stay motivated is continually thinking thoughts like this. And you kind of intentionally create those thoughts that you were thinking more at the beginning when you were feeling that motivation. So that's something you guys need to ask yourself is when I'm feeling motivated, what am I thinking? You know, and then kind of make a list of those really motivating thoughts for you. Okay, last one on this one was that owning that feeling motivated or unmotivated is always created by you because of what you're thinking. That helps you create awareness and way more intentional line of thinking. And that's again, like what I was saying, ask yourself, like, what am I thinking when I'm feeling motivated and then create that for yourself. Such an empowering place to come from. Okay, we're going to go on to problem number two, which is we know exactly what we need to be doing. We're very smart people, very capable, awesome people, but we have this kind of mysterious trouble sustaining productive actions. I don't know if this has ever happened for you guys, but this, this happens for me all the time. And I used to just not understand why, oh, it was working so well and now it's not working. Or I know exactly how to, you know, lose weight or, you know, different things like that I'm trying to accomplish in my life. So why aren't I doing the things I know I need to be doing to accomplish that. Like I said, you are smart. So I was, I read this book. This is what made me think of, um, I read this book called if I'm so smart, why can't I lose weight? And it was all about how this concept of, I know exactly what I need to be doing. And yet I still find it hard to do it, even though I really want this desired outcome. Anyway. So if you know exactly what it takes to accomplish something, then why is it so hard to sustain that action? And again, that this is talking a lot about that pattern of it goes fine at first and then it dwindles, right? The desire, motivation, the excitement, and all the action goes well at first and then it all kind of slumps down to, to less. So whether motivation is there or not, if logically, if we understand what we need to be doing, then why can't we just do it whether we're motivated or not, right? So we focus really hard when we're kind of in this line of thinking. We focus really hard on the actions that we're taking and not taking, but we don't pay very much attention to what we're thinking. And that's a really interesting problem to have because as I'm showing you in this these slides that your thinking is everything. So if we are focused on our actions, then we're either going to be getting inspired by our actions, which is good, but then also really discouraged by either our lack of action or the action not producing the result that we're wanting. And then we watch our actions dwindle, but we're not paying any attention to what we're thinking that is creating those actions. Again, I have great news for you. Because we are now understanding that motivation comes from our mind, focusing on the way we think has way more impact on our success than focusing on the actions that we take. Now, our actions are crucial. We know that because our actions are what actually create the results, but those desired actions are going to come so much more naturally if we're creating the thoughts and feelings that will fuel that action. That, that is everything. So focusing on the way you're thinking will just naturally create your desired reactions rather than trying to kind of muscle through the desired actions. Okay, so we're going to talk about why this is good news that focusing on our thoughts is everything is, is much more impactful than focusing on our action line. Okay. So when we clean up the way we're thinking about our goals, our efforts, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, then the productive action that we know we need to take will more naturally occur. Like I was just saying, when we focus on our mindset, we're more easily able to believe that we'll get a job no matter how long it takes. Now that's a really interesting aspect because so many of these patterns that we've been revealing are how over time we start to lose our motivation and lose our desire and lose our excitement. So what helps sustain that is if you're not needing it to happen quickly. Like if you get a job quickly, that's great. Or if you're able to lose the weight pretty quickly, that's great. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. But we have this little problem where we kind of need it to happen quickly because we know how what happens when our excitement or our motivation runs out. So we think, oh, I better do this fast before I lose my motivation, right? But if you're able to know that you can sustain your motivation, you can sustain your excitement, whatever feeling you want to generate in order to accomplish that, you don't have to be in a hurry anymore. And the beauty of that is that when we are in a hurry, we often set really unrealistic goals and un an unrealistic timeline, right? But when we are willing to let it take as long as it needs to take, we just are really setting ourselves up for success. And we're a little bit afraid to let things take as long as they need to take, not only because, again, we were afraid that our motivation would run out, but we're also afraid then like nothing will ever happen. But I want to really encourage you guys to try this out for yourselves, almost like a science experiment. And I, I know you'll be pleasantly surprised to see that you're taking tons of awesome action, even when you have this mindset of I'm willing for it to take as long as it needs to take. All, all it does is help you just be way more realistic and set yourself up for success. And success is what we're looking for. My final thought on this is that embracing 
noticing that our thoughts are what create our results help us keep in mind that the way we're thinking about ourselves is a crucial piece of this puzzle. This is something we also often neglect because we are, again, so focused on the actions we're taking that we're not looking at what we're thinking. And one thing that I help my clients understand is that the opinion that you have of yourself and the time that you take on your relationship with yourself is completely linked to your success in the other areas of your life. And so one example I'll give them is you're much more likely to take care of something and prioritize something that you love and treasure and cherish. But if you're spending time believing negative things about yourself, even as strong as like, oh, you know, I'm worthless, I'm, I'm garbage. Like, I don't, I don't know what words you guys use, but we all tend to beat ourselves up from time to time. But when we believe that we're not of this, you know, treasured value, then we're going to treat ourselves that way. And we're not going to make ourselves a priority and we're not going to take the time and take the care that we need to, to create success, like in all of our relationships and other endeavors and other areas of our lives because we're it really starts with the opinion that we have of ourselves. So that my challenge for you there is that if you have a high opinion of yourself, that's going to be directly linked to the success in in all the areas of your life. So that's something to start paying attention to and that all starts in your thoughts. Really it totally exists in your thoughts. Okay, I've got another example for you guys. So about a year ago, I set a goal. These are just all, all of my personal goals I'm sharing with you today. I set a goal that I wanted to start exercising regularly. And I was trying to plug it into like, well, exercise when I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. I have two, I have four kids in school, two little babies, but I, I'm a life coach. I run that business from home. And I also have a business I run on eBay and Amazon. I sell those kids squeaky shoes that squeak when they walk. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I've got lots of stuff going on, I, but I mostly stay home with my kids. And I was just trying to fit exercise in all these places. Like oh, I'll do it at night after the kids go to bed, but then I kind of want to just be chilling with my husband when he's home. <laughs> I tried to stick it into nap time, but nap time was a little unpredictable. Some days it happened, some days it didn't. Like for example, like at any moment, I think my three-year-old's going to like open that door because she's supposed to be napping. I really hope she is. We'll, we'll see what happens. But if she pokes her head in, I have a plan. Just bear with me if that occurs. Anyway, so I was just having really inconsistent results, success, and I was getting discouraged. And then I realized that the best window that I always had available to me and was never overbooked or anything except by sleep was early morning. I had known this pretty logically, but I was resisting it because I love to sleep and, and I just didn't feel like a morning person. And I just didn't think that was a very wise idea for me. And I wanted to set myself up for success. And I kind of felt like, oh, if I set a goal to wake up early and exercise in the morning, that's kind of setting myself up for this unsuccess because I'm not, I'm not a morning person, but I decided to try it anyway. And so I wanted to, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to do to make it all successful, right? I needed to get in bed at a reasonable time. I needed to have like my exercise clothes laid out so that when my alarm went off, I would get up, I would put on my exercise clothes and I would go exercise. I needed to be like drinking enough water and have a means to exercise. Like we have an elliptical. So I was like, I'll just get up and get on the elliptical and then maybe do a little yoga or whatever. And then, and then that's my exercise. And so I just kind of needed to have that plan in place. And I, I got all those things in place, but then what it really came down to was that those few seconds of, do I shut off my alarm or push snooze or do I actually get up right? In order to accomplish this, this goal of exercising. So even though I knew everything I needed to do and I was mostly doing it and I knew exactly that all it took was for me to actually get out of bed at the time my alarm went off to then get the result of exercising regularly in my life, I still was finding myself just having intermittent success. It was going okay, but not great. I was getting up, you know, maybe for a week or two weeks in a row and then kind of something would come up and knock me off for a little while and then I'd get back to it. But what has really made all the difference in this goal for me was completely changing the way I think about it. So one area, one problem I identified was that I was thinking I'm not a morning person. And so I started to kind of change that story in my head of like sleeping in is fun, but exercising regularly feels so good. So I started telling myself that story and I started telling myself like, I'm actually really good at getting up when my alarm goes off and I really enjoy taking naps. So even if I didn't quite get enough sleep the night before, I can just take a nap. And I just, I just started kind of negotiating that, just all those stories I'd been telling myself of why this is really hard to get up early in the morning. One of the most powerful thoughts that I tell myself and it's actually pretty silly, but when my alarm goes off and my brain is like, just keep sleeping, like it really wants me to do that. I just have this little sentence that I play out for my brain and I just 
just say like, it only hurts for eight seconds. Like it's only hard to get up in the morning for eight seconds. And I can do eight seconds. Like that's no problem because when I'm laying in bed, I'm thinking it's going to be hard once I'm up. It's going to be hard even after I've washed my face and gone to the bathroom. It's going to be hard even once I've gotten my exercise clothes on. It's going to even be hard when I'm exercising, but none of that is hard truly in reality. Only hard for those moments of taking your covers off, getting out of bed, the first few steps when you're still just wishing you could be sleeping and then you're wide awake and you feel great. And beyond that, it all felt so good. And I loved what I was accomplishing. So once I was able to just clean up what was going on in my mind, it completely sustained the actions that I needed to take to accomplish this goal. And even though I still miss, you know, a day here and there, sometimes I'll take a weekend off. I get up almost every day at 5 a.m. And that is a crazy story to me because again, I used to believe I'm not a morning person. And I used to think, oh, I just wake up when my kids wake up. I just get as much sleep as I can because you never know when my, but my kids sleep through the night. Like I have that, that used to be a really valid reason of, I never know if I'm going to be up like twice in the night with babies and nursing or anything. So I should sleep as much as possible, but I don't need to tell myself that story anymore. My kids sleep through the night beautifully. And so just taking a look at all of that and cleaning up all the way I thought about it. Now I don't have intermittent success. I have consistent, regular success. Even if, you know, even again, even if there's like a day, like I get sick or we go out of town or something and there's days here and there and then I just get right back to it. It's no problem. Cause actually I even tell myself now, like I'm a morning person and that feels so good to just, I've just become that. I've just become a morning person and I can think it easily and believe it easily. And it really sustains my efforts in this goal. So that feels so good. So we're going to talk really quick about how this applies to the job search of a military spouse. And I want to be hearing from you guys again, either in the Q and A or raise your hand if there's anything that I'm talking talking about here that you want to talk about of if this is how it is applying for you, if there's areas that I've missed, because this, I want to really hear from what's happening in your lives, not just from you know my ideas. So again, when you start your job search and you're feeling motivated and you take all the action that you know it takes to get a job, we all know exactly what it takes to get a job. I have to look, I have to research, I have to talk to people, I have to network, I have to fill out applications, I have to go to interviews. Like we know how to do all of that. We know how to create all of that for ourselves, but and all of these actions lead the result of obtaining the employment that we're looking for. Like even if we, you know, we only want to get it in this one area. And so we have to wait till a job opening comes up. Like we just know logically what we need to do to create that for ourselves. But over time, even if you're still taking some of these actions, you know that you need to be you're taking the actions you know you need to be taking, but you start thinking things. Just watch these sneaky little thoughts come up in your brain, like this isn't working or what's wrong with me or why, you know, why didn't they say yes? Or you start just thinking these really sneaky thoughts that are creating a lot of like, like in that deflation and feeling more unmotivated. Your motivation quickly dwindles and watch how when your motivation dwindles, your desired productive actions dwindle, like they dwindle together. And then you're kind of sitting around thinking it's so hard to get a job, even though you know exactly what to do, right? So when you're able to create and sustain feeling motivated from within yourself, not from any outside source or that initial easily tangible excitement, you're able to continually take the actions that it takes in order to achieve that desired result. And that's, that's crucial right there, being able to do that. Okay, here's the third problem. It's one o'clock, so we're doing good. Okay, so the third problem is that there seem to be so many things when it comes to military life that are completely out of our control. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Ooh, sorry. <coughs> oh, and feeling out of control has a big big impact on our level of motivation. So I don't know if this is something that you guys ever spend time thinking about or just kind of your own version of this thought, but my husband and I catch ourselves thinking like, oh, like we can't do that because the military owns us or the military decides or it's up to the military, right? I don't know what you guys spend time thinking, but that's, that's a little bit what ours looks like, our thought process there when we let it get away from us. And so as soon as some of the issues that come up are like, as soon as you figure out what to do and you're finding something that works, everything changes again. That's the discouragement that we feel coming up with this military, military, these military challenges, being, being in the military, the challenges that come with that. So when I feel out of control of my life and I have a hard time being motivated and doing what I know I need and want to do to create the life I'm looking for, that out of control feeling is what is creating that for me. And now you're, I hope you're starting to see this pattern of that out of control feeling is coming from this way I have let myself think, this way I've let, let it go to that, in that direction. Another thing that is an issue is that the unpredictability of military life makes, it often makes me feel like a victim to my circumstances. Again, that out of control feeling like I do this, but I can't. We're in the military, you know, just that like they're in charge. They decide they, you know, and it's just out of my hands. All of those things are very disempowering. And it also feels like the military has the final say in what our life looks like. And so all of these things combined make it, if you allow it to take you there, it can make it really hard to be like aggressively pursuing goals or 
or continually generating motivation because you're sort of living in this world where none of it's up to you. So again, great news, you guys. I should say great news on this on these slides, not good news, but that's okay. Good news. We now know from what we've talked about so far today that motivation exists in our mind. And so because we now know that, we can also know that so does feeling in control. Whatever we're spending time thinking about is creating the feelings that we're operating from. And so if we're operating from that out of control feeling, it's because we're thinking thoughts that are creating that for us. Such good news, you guys. Why is this good news? This is good news because we're all military spouses here and we're very aware logically of the parts of our lives that are up to our that are up to whatever the military desi- decides. That's just part of our circumstances. They decide where we live. They decide what our husband is doing in parts of his day. They decide some certain things about, about our lives. And we're all very aware of that. We all understand that. And, and that is a part of it. That's just reality. But when we allow for those parts in our lives, we allow for them. We don't need to stop that from happening, but we don't focus on them because focusing on them is what makes us feel out of control. And the reason that is why is because of what we're thinking. When we focus on them, we're thinking things like, I already said, like the military decides. It's up to the military. It's out of my hands. And all of that, when we focus on the parts that are in the military's control, it feels like our whole life is out of our control rather than just, there's just these few parts, but the rest is completely in my control. And so when we allow for those parts, but don't focus on them, we can intentionally spend time thinking very empowering thoughts that help us feel in control of our lives. And when we feel in control of our lives, it is so much easier to generate motivation and then take the desired actions we want to take and achieve the results that we're looking for. So I have a quick example for you guys on this one. I was working with a client who her husband was deployed and that at the last minute they asked him to go do this training that would actually bring him back to the States for a week. And they allowed him to, it, it, he needed to go to a different state than where they lived, but he was able to go home for 24 hours. And he was a few months away from the deployment being over. So this really was like, it was an exciting surprise for his family, but it completely caught his wife off guard. And as most of you, I mean, as I'm sure all of you know and have <laughs> experience, just all this unpredictability is actually pretty challenging. So even though she was really excited to see her husband, they brought up all kinds of stuff for her because, so I'll give you this example of the Christmas lights. I think it was February, I want to say, and her Christmas lights were still up. This was just a job her husband normally did. And she was just allowing them to stay up and she had an awesome goal to get them down before he came home. He was coming home again, just like a couple months after this moment when we were doing our coaching. And she, she got this heads up that she was going to get a see him for a day, which again was so exciting, but but hard. And I think she had maybe a two or three day warning, not a lot of warning, like really pretty shocking. But um, she just was super focused on the Christmas lights and, but not what she was focused on was like, this is what the military always does. Like I can't plan on anything or dates or anything because look, he's showing up and I don't have the Christmas lights down. And this is like all the military's fault. And this is just what military life looks like where I didn't know he was coming home. And now he's going to come home and see the Christmas lights. And I was able to gently point out to her that she was super focusing on the parts of her life she couldn't control. The fact that her husband was coming home out of, from, out of the country for a day in a couple of days, completely unplanned, originally unplanned, rather than focusing on the fact that, or allowing the fact that he was coming home, allowing for the hard that that brought up, but then saying like, I really want to get these Christmas lights down before he gets home and I have two days. And if I'm not going to do it, I could ask someone else to do it. Like there's a lot of options available to her, but no options felt available to her, available to her because she was so focused on what the military had done to her. Just, I mean, I say the military, but just, you know, like the way it had gone, you know? And so it was, creating inaction in her. Like she really wanted to get the Christmas lights down so that he wouldn't see them. She wanted, she, and it wasn't that he would be like mad, but she just wanted it to be perfect when he got home. You guys all know how that goes. And I just thought it was so interesting that she was sitting in inaction, focused on the parts of her life she couldn't control. And that's what, that's what I'm talking about here in this example. So how does this apply to the job search of a military spouse? When you start your job search, you're able to feel motivated, even though the reality of your life is that you are in the military. And with that comes certain struggles and challenges, when, especially when it comes to employment, among many things, but especially, again, what we're talking about today with employment. So over time, even though your reality is the same, because you're still in the military and you still understand all that, that entails, feels like the obstacles get bigger and less maneuverable. Like at the beginning when you're searching 
you're like, okay, I knew that was coming. So I'll just maneuver around it. I knew this PCS was coming. I'll maneuver around it. I knew that, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure where we were moving, but now I know. And so I can maneuver around that, but they get less maneuverable. And you're thinking about your ability to find work that you can enjoy. And in the field of your choice just gets more negative and more discouraged. And you're getting your motivation dwindles. And so again, it's just a shift in thinking. It's just a shift in at the beginning. You were thinking like, here's the reality that it, it can be hard, but I know what to do. And then you're doing it. Then your, your thinking shifts to, I can't believe the military, that because we're in the military, this is what I have to deal with. It makes it so hard. You, you just shift to those thoughts that are so much more discouraging and negative. And again, this isn't all about being positive. It's just about being realistic and productive. Like th- those aren't always positive thoughts, but they're, they're like intentional and, and uh, productive thoughts. So like we've already mentioned, just focusing on the many parts of your life, like there are many parts of your life that are 100% in your control rather than focusing on the actual parts that aren't, that we're not, we're not negating that at all. We're not trying to take that away from you guys. We're all experiencing that. There definitely are parts that are not in our control, but rather than focusing on those, we're going to focus on the parts that are 100% in our control. And there are so much about our life that's in our control. And all of that will increase your motivation because it creates so much empowerment for you. It helps you feel in control of your life at the helm of your ship and the one who's in charge. And all of that will increase your motivation. So we're going to talk about just for a second, why all of this is important. So when you do what it takes to generate motivation in your life, you get to feel motivated. That's it. That's like, it's like a gift you're giving yourself. I know that sounds so simple, but we're not doing it for anybody else, we're doing it for ourselves. This work is worth doing of watching our thoughts and creating them a little bit more intentionally because then we get to feel that awesome, beneficial, productive emotion in in this example, motivation. And motivation is an excellent fuel for taking productive action. Like we talked about in the beginning, it's a really worthwhile, a really worthwhile emotion to generate because it is an awesome fuel for the action you're trying to take. You also get to show up as the person you want to be and you will benefit from that and so will the people in your life. That just feels so good when we're showing up as our authentic self, who we want to be. And you get to be in control of how you think and feel it's very empowering to feel in control, like we've mentioned. And then this is my favorite one, is that when you do what it takes to generate motivation in your life and you see that you're the one creating it, then you get to believe that feeling motivated is always available to you. And that's an amazing gift you give yourself. There's no point in your life even, even if you are feeling unmotivated at times, it's always available. It's always just like on the shelf, ready for you to grab it at any moment. It doesn't mean you have to feel motivated all the time, but it's never out of your power to grab it off the shelf and put it in your life. And so it's, this isn't, again, this isn't about feeling positive and productive all the time, but it's about knowing that I'm the one that creates it and it's always available to me. That's such an awesome gift you can give yourself. So I want to talk to you guys for just a second about just what life coaching is. Some of you may be really familiar with this. This is something that was just new to me a couple of years ago. So um, often when I tell people I'm a life coach, they say, what is that? You know? So here's what I tell people. Having a life coach is like having a life coach for your mental health is like having a personal trainer at the gym for your physical health. It's like your, for your mental muscles, right? When you go to the mental gym and you're doing your, you know, for your mental health and that's all just this nice parallel I like to share with people. So um, a life coach is also working with a life coach is how you learn how to create the desired results that you have and want in your life, learn how you've created results, learn how you can create results in the future and in a really intentional way instead of either like, again, like muscling through the action you know you need to take, which doesn't feel very good, or almost like accidentally achieving results. You know, and I don't think you guys are achieving results accidentally, but this is just a really fascinating way to learn exactly how your brain works so that you can put it to work for you. It's so powerful. So life coaching is, a, is like therapy, but we often say like for more functional situations. So for example, I've been to therapists a couple of different times in my life and had really, really beneficial experiences. But it was when my life was crumbling. For example, of you might go to a couple's therapist if you're like on the verge of divorce, but you might go to a couple's coach if your marriage is just kind of struggling and you're wanting it to get better, or if your marriage is fine and you're just wanting to make it great, like both of those things might be more of a reason you would go to a coach versus a therapist. And then similar with just like going to therapy personally, you might be dealing with, you know, mental illness or, you know, depression, anxiety, and, and, and actually coaches work on those things too. And sometimes we even work in conjunction with a therapist. So several of my clients are also seeing a therapist and they're seeing me and we're just kind of working on different things. So it's all just kind of in that same, in that same world. A life coach teaches you how to utilize your amazingly powerful brain because you guys, our brains are like super computers, like seriously, so, so powerful. I had no idea how, how impactful 
knowing how to use my brain would be in my life. I just, I love understanding that now. And I like to tell people, it's almost like this. It's not a second language. It's like just learning the language of your brain. It takes a little more work right at first, but as you become more familiar with it, it's like, you know, how easy it was to speak your first language. So I say it's not like a second language, like a learning a completely new language. It's almost like pig Latin, where it's just, there's some rules. Once, once people know the few rules of pig Latin, anyone can speak it, right? Because it's just English a little differently. And that's exactly what's going on in your brain. What's happening naturally without you kind of guiding it is like your first language and that's what feels really familiar to you and then when you start to learn this it, it can feel a little uncomfortable at first because it's just like kind of learning those rules and it's not your first language it's a little bit different than what you're used to speaking but once you get more familiar and used to using it it just changes everything and becomes very easy for you to speak this new language so by learning the language of your brain you're able to simplify and get a hold of any problem that you're dealing with no more mysteries no more confusion that has been so powerful for me in my life and in my clients lives as I teach them how to use their brains okay so this is again like I said at the beginning one of my favorite places to send people who just enjoy what I have to offer like you know like what I'm teaching uh, it's just another great way to get um, more information from me. I have a lot of awesome content on my podcast. I love listening to podcasts because I can listen to it while I'm doing something else. We all are living, you know, busy lives and we need to be able to fit these things in where, you know, where there's not a lot of room to fit them in. So podcasts fit the bill for me. I love listening to podcasts. So my life coaching practice is Simply Resilient and that's the same, the name for my podcast. And you can find me just on all major podcast platforms. I have a little over, I think I have 33 episodes and I started it last year year and I'm just having a blast making it. I love, love, love podcasting. So go check me out there if you enjoyed this. And if you have any, you know, questions for me that you don't want to put here in, you know, in the Q&A and you want to contact me privately, you can contact me at jesse at simplyresilient.net. Thank you guys so much. Okay. I'm going to stop sharing my screen with you and we're going to go back to the normal screen here. So we're going to see if there's anything in the Q&A box because I, I had it open at the beginning, but then I shut it. Okay. There's nothing in there. That's great. Okay. So does anybody want to get coached or just kind of discuss something that you've been struggling with on this call? If you do, go ahead and raise your hand. I know it can feel a little vulnerable, a little nervous to do that. But like I mentioned in a comment I made earlier today on, on the Facebook group that when you're willing to share what you're dealing with, it does three really helpful things for you and for everybody listening. One thing that it does is it helps people realize even if, again, even if we logically know like we're all dealing with the same challenges, we sort of have this little sneaky belief that we're kind of the only ones really struggling. So when we're able to hear from other people about their struggles and then we're able to show our brains, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. This is hard for a lot of people. So that can be so powerful. And another thing that it can do is it can be really kind of emotional, not emotional, but you're just kind of caught up in your own problems and the emotion of your own problems. And so if you're able to listen to somebody else talk about a problem that you are dealing with as well, like a similar problem, and you don't have any of the emotions tied up into it, but you're able to just kind of like listen and, and watch and learn as someone kind of works through a problem that they're dealing with, you're able to apply all that into your life in such a really interesting way because you're not caught up in the story you tell yourself and the emotions about it. It's just so much more drama free. And so that's a kind of another gift that you give other people when you're willing to talk about your problem is that they're able to glean really awesome information and help from it because they're not caught up in the, in the drama of it that, that comes from it being in their own life and their own like emotions that come with that. Okay, so Danielle, thank you for raising your hand. I'm going to go ahead and promote you to panelists. And before I do that, just know um, that in the bottom part of your screen, so, like you just have to like unmute yourself and turn on your video. I think you've used Zoom before, so you should be good. But I'm going to go ahead and promote you. Okay, I see that you're here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Got your um, my video is disabled. Oh, it's disabled. That's no problem. We can just listen. Okay, Um. so I'm curious about you know, today I told you that I had an interview and I actually have like a couple of opportunities that have come up. So yes. I was going through this phase of like, I'm so unmotivated because like nothing is working out. And now, um, and I was just talking to someone else about this the other day, you know, you get to a point where finally something works out, but then you have like two or three options. So mm. how do you get motivated to kind of like, um, dig into each one of those and, you know, really do the work to see like which one is going to work out instead of like being stuck in a place of indecision. <laughs> oh, that's such a good question, Danielle. I'm really glad you asked. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about just for a second is just a quick note on 
kind of where you were at almost before you had like three options, right? Where you were just like, oh, I'm trying all these ways and nothing's quite working out. One thing that our brain is really, really good at doing is it's good at building evidence, right? So we can make anything mean anything we want it to mean. But when we put out, you know, maybe we put out 10 feelers or resumes or, or whatever it is that we're like spreading out all our, our options and trying to make these connections and, and get something. And then we just logically can understand like, this is what it takes. It takes time. It takes contacting 10 people to get three interviews. It takes three interviews to get one job. You know, we know kind of the formula, but we still, our brain is watching for like how it's not going to work out. And so it's saying like, look, I've put out 10 feelers and I only got three interviews. Like it's not working out. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I don't know. Just watch your brain be really sneaky on what looking for evidence for something we're not even wanting to prove really. But if we're spending any time thinking about it, like, like I'm nothing's working out, then our brain's like, let me find how nothing's working out. And it like almost, it doesn't create, it, it, it doesn't create like fake evidence, but it takes something that's just almost benign and, and kind of puts it to work against you, which is just really makes what we're already doing what's already a little bit challenging, even, even harder. So watch for that. Watch for your brain to create that evidence. Okay. Now let's talk about indecision for a second. So this is another really fascinating thing that our brain does. It's interesting that we struggle. Like you said, like I was struggling with no options and now I'm struggling with three options. Like it would have been so much easier if I just only had one option, right? Like our brain will struggle with things going poorly and things going well sometimes. And that's kind of fascinating. But what it wants us to do, if decisions feel really scary to our brain, even if like logically in our life, we understand like, oh, I'm a grown up. I make decisions. Like I know how to say yes to this and no to this. But our brain is saying to us, like, what if I make the wrong decision? Or, you know, what if I don't know? What if I can't do all the research to so that I will choose the right, you know, all those kinds of things. So like, let me just ask you, what, what are some of your concerns? Like why is it feeling like there's a problem that there's three? <laughs> um, I think because each one has something different to offer. Like, but then, you know, the one that I had today, they told me that it's going to take a while for them to make a decision. And on the other hand, I have somebody who's like ready to start teaching me and, you know, building me up now. But that's that option is something completely different than what I've done in the past. Does that make oh, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the things I mean, and those are just really just the realities of, of the options that you need to look at. But so what is your brain telling you? Like, for example, say you decided, okay, I like the one that I talked to today, but they said it's going to take a while and I'm not willing to wait. So I'm just going to go with the one that's ready to go right now. Like what, why is it hard to make? I'm not saying that's the decision you should make because only you know what decision you should make. But when you say like, okay, I'm just going to go with the one that's ready to start today. Like what, what comes up in your brain? Like what are the objections there? Um, I've never done that before. So what if I'm really bad at it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Anything else? Um, you know, what if I jump on a decision now and then something better comes up later? Oh, that's such a good one. Our brains love to offer us that worry, right? Okay. So it's interesting to note that rather than our brain, we have this thing called like a negative bias. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's like, we're just watching for what's going to go wrong. Again, a little bit of that building evidence we already talked about. And this is just the way our brain attempts to keep us safe. It used to be how it kept us like physically safe, but we don't really have a lot of physical dangers anymore, but it still uses this negative bias of like watching for danger, right? Even though there, there isn't really any danger in this decision you're making. And so you know, a couple of your objections are, well, you know, well, initially it was each one has something different to offer. I've never done this thing before. What if I'm really bad at it? And the last one you said was, what if then something better comes along, right? So these are all the ways that your your brain is saying like, we we can't make any mistakes. We, we can't, we're not willing to be bad at something. We're not willing to, you know, like take a risk or, you know, all these things because that's, then that's dangerous. Like, let's just stay safe. So what I like to do is I like to just watch my brain and the objections that it brings up because some of them are valid, but some of them are kind of this, I call it like a miss what's the word? Misidentification of danger. It's saying like, oh no, danger. Like what if I'm bad at something? Okay. So that's a miss for me. That's a misidentification of danger because there's no danger in being bad at something. And in fact, when you're brand new in a job, especially if it's something you've never done before, you're supposed to be kind of bad at it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Isn't that interesting that your brain was like, well, we can't pick that one because I might be bad at it, but probably you actually won't be bad at it. But even if you are, you're supposed to be a beginner, right? Like that's right yeah. on track. 
So just watch your objections for that misidentification of danger. Like there's no danger here. And then you just reassure your brain, like I'm, I'm willing to be a little bad at this at the start. And like, probably I won't even be bad, right? You know, just some of those kinds of thoughts. And then I'll give you a little tool for something that's been really helping me in decision-making lately. It seems pretty simple, but I, I have found it to be very helpful when I have like a few options I'm debating between because I can just, if I'm not careful, I can just talk myself in and out of every single option. Is that kind of what's happening for you? Yes. There's good and bad to all three options, right? Yeah. So I'll make my, this is how I used to, I'd make my pros and cons list for like each thing. And then I'd be like, well, on this hand, I want to do this, but on this hand, maybe not. Well, on this hand, I'm just missing it. And then I was just, I just was right where I started, where I just had no idea what to do. So this is just subtly different, but enough that it's really helped me make my decisions with a little more confidence, knowing that I'm the one that, first of all, this is a key part, knowing that I am the one that will make it the right decision, right? Whatever job I choose, like that's a thought you can practice on yourself. So you can say like, there's no right or wrong decision between these two jobs because I'm the one that makes it the right decision, right? By I choose it and then I create the experience that I'm looking to have in this job. So the, this little tool that I use that I have, I've really enjoyed is just instead of making, so you have three options. So instead of making pros and cons list for each option, which you end up with six lists, essentially, mm-hmm. instead I make a list, just one list under each option. And the question that I ask myself, it's, it's, it's a list of my reasons why I would pick it. So it's a little bit like just looking at your pros list, but it's different than that because it's saying like, so these are, this is my list of reasons why. So my list of reasons why I would pick job one are this, this, this. And you'll get like three reasons pretty quick and easy, but then you, you sit with it for a minute and you ask your brain again, okay, but why else? Why else would I pick this one? Why else? Why else? Until you kind of force some of those a little bit harder to get answers out on your list and, and really like this, this can be like a private list that you totally just rip up and throw away later because you want to be really, really honest with yourself. Like, here's why, here's why, here's why. And even here's why. And here's even one more that I'm almost not even willing to say out loud, but here's another reason why or whatever. So you really dig until you get maybe even like, I mean, any number is fine, but maybe even like 10 reasons why you would pick job one, and then 10 reasons why you would pick job two and 10 reasons why you would pick job three. And then you compare those three lists together. And in the, in the cases where I've used this tool, I'm able to see the list that is the most true to me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I'm deciding, you know, what, what to do or something, the reasons why are like, oh, because I'm afraid of what they'll think, or I'm afraid that, that what if something better comes along or what, you know, just some of these things that aren't really like true to who we are, like who we want to be as a person, but they're kind of some of these other reasons coming out. And that's why you want to really dig for why you, you know, I would choose this because it feels like the safe choice. You know, you want to really kind of dig out some of those answers and not that any of those are bad. They're just really worth taking a look at. Yeah. That you can say like this list for job number two feels the truest to who I am and who I want to be. And then again, just reminding yourself that I make whatever, whichever one I pick will be the right one because I make it the right one. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for raising your hand. Did you have any other questions or thoughts? Nope. Okay. I'm going to put you back to attendee and then I think we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Thanks for being willing to come on Danielle and, and discuss what you were struggling with personally and good luck with making that decision. Decision making is such a powerful life skill that I didn't even realize that was really challenging for me until I started doing all this work in in my brain and realizing what was going on in my brain when I was making decisions. And now I've realized how to make decisions just with so much like power and confidence. So that's totally like its own concept that we could talk about on another webinar. But I hope you guys were able to, like I mentioned at the beginning, really come away with some, you know, simple actionable ideas that you're able to see, start to see how you are creating motivation for yourself every time. It never comes from like a mysterious place or, or an intangible place or like an outside source. And also how the, what was the third thing I told you we were going to get? Oh, yes. How being in the military can often make us feel like our lives are out of our control. But some of those um, ways to think differently about that so that you can focus on the parts of your life that are totally in your control to create that empowered and in control feeling for yourself because that feels so much better than feeling out of control. And yeah, I really appreciate you guys being here today. We've recorded this. So if you're, if you missed it, we're going to get that recording out and I hope to talk to you guys again soon. I'd love to hear your feedback. Go ahead and send me an email at jesse at simplyresilient.net if you have anything that you want to talk to me about and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please go to my website, simplyresilient.net 
to download my free guide to thriving during deployment. I also love when you share this podcast with your friends and rate and review it. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.